Welcome to another episode of Up To. Nine years ago, Up To started as a live event series showcasing leaders who are as humble as they are successful. The humility piece is extremely important as we identify leaders who can inspire others. We try to focus our interviews on the non-business aspects of their lives. And in doing so, we have found there's a real thirst to explore their hearts and minds in atypical ways. Our host, as always, is Adam Kaufman. And on this episode, we are joined by David Ciccone. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. During the first season of the Up To podcast, I had several companies and entrepreneurs approach me about potential partnerships, but I'm really selective before choosing to do something like that. One choice we did make happily is to partner with Vivid Front, a full service digital marketing and website design agency based in Cleveland that works with both local and national brands. They've built their entire client base on referrals and they've won a lot of awards, including the 2019 Inc. Magazine Top 5,000 Fastest Growing Companies, North Coast's Top Places to Work, and several others. They're known for their talent, they're known for their creativity, they're known for their culture, a firm I liked before we agreed to partner together for the show. Check out vividfront.com, or you can email me, and I'll introduce you to their dynamic leader, Andrew Spott. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up To Podcast with host Adam Kaufman. Today's guest is David Ciccone. Our guest today is the founder and the managing director of the CTH Group, private wealth advisory group affiliated with Wells Fargo. David has been advising now hundreds of affluent and ultra high net worth families for three decades, and his select clients count on David and his team to help them with their most important life decisions. Impressively, David's group is responsible for managing more than a billion dollars. I want to talk to him about what it's like if he feels any pressure with that. I've seen firsthand how David has earned the trust of these extremely discerning and private families, and I'm really looking forward to delving into today how he earns that trust. It is such a valuable and rare commodity, and I'm also looking forward to picking David's brain a little on his observations about the common traits of these very successful people with whom he spends so much time. David is also very civic-minded, dedicating much of his time and energy to a very special organization called Communities and Schools, and he's passionate about good food, optimal health, and traveling, too. He splits his time between the Washington, D.C. area and Naples, Florida, and we're fortunate to have him with us today in studio in the new home of Up To. David, welcome to the Up To podcast. Thank you, Adam. Well, first and foremost, congratulations to you and Up To for your fourth season. Thank Unbelievable. You. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm beyond humbled to be uh, invited into this pantheon of uh, humble and uh, accomplished guests. So I really, I appreciate well, it very much. I hope I grateful. can share some, some good things with, uh, for your I listeners today. no doubt today. you will. So what have you been up to? I think you flew in just to be with us here. You spent a lot of the winter months in Florida, but wh what have you been up to? You know, we've we transitioned. Uh, we were in a prior firm. We were with a, a Swiss bank originally. We uh, transitioned our entire team over, and it was quite a quite a difficult process to get uh, the assets, you know, over a billion dollars in assets transferred over from our our old firm to our new firm. And you did that during the through, pandemic through COVID. Yeah, right. that that's the interesting part. Um, we were able to somehow manage to effectively uh, make this work without even being able to meet with clients. Wow. Um, 
but I, uh, you know, that'll that'll all tie in later in this podcast. But I'll just say up front that I think part of that is really a, a testament to my team and just um, a level of trust and confidence that we've tried to instill with our clients. And you'll that's probably going to be the thread that. Uh, permeates this this entire podcast. Okay, today. well, you, you have your threads, and I, I have some I want to go down as well. So I'm, I'm sure we'll have plenty of good things to talk Excellent. about. Uh, and we will talk about your team. But first, uh, can you explain to uh, to me and to the group uh, listening, and what's the day in the life of a wealth manager? What does that even mean? Like, how do you spend your time? <laughs> sure. No, that's that's great. Well, uh, as you can imagine, our our role and our occupation. Um, we, we serve as so many things to clients. Frankly, I've, I find myself sometimes I'm a psychologist to some folks. Um, I'm a, you know, family counselor, uh, wealth manager, real estate advisor, hmm. you name it. Um, one yeah, you've of, earned the trust. That's exactly, what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I tend to say when I, when I first meet with a, with a potential client or somebody that's interviewing us, I tell them, look, the end of the day anything with a dollar sign you're probably over time going to call us first mm. and if you really have uh, a good solid relationship with any financial advisor for that matter uh, that's really what the relationship's all about right it's when you have a question about something you call the person that you trust the most on a, partic problem on a particular solved. subject yeah, yeah. Right. if you have a legal problem you call your lawyer if you have a medical problem you call your doctor so for us, it's, it's just, Adam, it's so broad-based, it's unbelievable. But uh, a day in the life might be, you know, it starts early in the morning, seeing what's going on in the overseas markets. I know you texted me before 6 this morning. I hope you don't mind me sharing. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's, uh, that's probably a little late, yeah, actually. Yeah, for you. Yeah. So, you know, the markets are always moving, obviously. There's a lot of things that are happening overseas. We try to get a little bit of a pulse on what's going on. Uh, in the Asian markets, European, wherever we might be looking at different things. But the bottom line is, you know, that's the starting point. And the interesting thing about being a financial advisor is everybody seems to think that the only thing we do pick is stocks. pick stocks, right. right, trade stocks. And to be perfectly honest with you, what I've found uh, in 28 years of trading and doing professional money management it's actually probably the last thing we think about. Huh, isn't so, that interesting? It's, yeah. funny, it's funny that you said you're part psychologist mm -hmm. because I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but you are one of the most empathetic human beings I've oh. ever been around. You, you have the exactly. real intuition for understanding people, even if there's no verbal exchange. I've noticed this over time and I have many examples. But I don't know if you've ever thought about your own empathy or if anyone's ever said that to you, but it's a real talent. Right, thank you. You know, I, I don't know where it comes from. Um, I think some people are just naturally empathetic and they, they use that skill or mm -hmm. inherent characteristic to really try to do good things with it. You know, I, I personally always try to see things from other people's perspective. Yes. And um, I, I really do try to embrace that sort of, you know, sincere, uh, you know, my, my father always said, just be honest, care about people, do the right thing, 
and good things will come to you. And I really do feel that that's the way things have worked out in my in my adult life. So. I mean, those sound like such basic tenets. Like, why wouldn't everyone do that? Right. But they really are rare. Right. Right. Uh, not just in your industry, but all over the marketplace. Yeah. So yep. it's wonderful your dad ingrained that in your head. It's even better that you accepted that advice and you're actually carrying it out. And I know it affects the culture you've created with your team and your coworkers. But let's back up since you did mention your father. Like, what what type of family were you born into? Sure. Great question. Well, the whole the Dave Sacconi story all starts with two humble people who uh, came in from overseas, came from Europe in the 50s on the SS Constitution, mm. two separate. My mother came, you know, a couple years after my father came. They didn't know each other. One from Spain. One, one from, from Italy. One Italy. From my father from Italy, my mother from Spain. Um, Things in Europe were not particularly good economically. Post World War II, exactly, Europe. exactly. Mm. I mean, I'll I can share some stories that'll blow your mind of what I saw when I was a kid. But um, you know, basically, just fast forward a little bit through a sequence of events. My parents met each other, and uh, you know, they just in the Washington D.C. area. Washington D.C. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I actually exactly. do like going backwards a little bit. So your parents' mm -hmm. humble beginnings. You did shock me once telling me how modest an upbringing they had and oh, yeah. uh, visiting your grandparents and what type of, because we're going to spend time talking today about how professionally successful you become, but I think it's really remarkable that in just two generations' time where it was in your family to where it is now. Right, so can you right. give us a snapshot yeah, of that, yeah. that pre-you, Sacconi wow. time? Yeah, well, we're going way back in the time machine, but uh, it's, it's interesting you ask. Um, you know, when I think about it, Adam, when I go go back, I mean, I'm in my 50s now, so uh, when I look back at the times when I was a child, went and visit my grandparents' home, my parents, you know, homes when they were young, I mean, it was mind-boggling how it just, it just, it's just a whole different experience mm -hmm. than what we live in in these days, what my children are able to experience every day. But I mean, I'll give you an example, you know, little village where both my parents lived my father in italy and my mother in spain mm -hmm. uh no running water no indoor plumbing mm. now, i'm not kidding mm. you know cook well let's see you basically you light a fire in this fireplace thing and what they call a kitchen um boil water and you visited you went back to visit yeah i went many homes. times as a, as a child um you know my father well both my parents really one of the things they really tried to instill in us is, is culture. It's learning about people and culture and Heritage. you know a little bit of travel yeah. and, and seeing things through other people's viewpoints. But I mean, I, I'll give you two examples. I mean, we literally in this little town, I remember in my mother's village, I don't know if it was a horse, a mule, a donkey, some large four-legged creature, <laughs> literally at the end of the day, they would bring this, this beast through a hallway, through the front door to a room in the back of my grandparents' home, mm -hmm. and um, wasn't for riding for the uh, kids. No, that was the workhorse. That's where the horse would be in the. E I mean, literally inside the house, you know. And um, I, I'll I'll go one step further. That was actually, remember, there was no indoor plumbing. Right. So I, I'm talking, you know, very very different, very humble beginnings, and. You know, my parents' parents wanted their children mm -hmm. to have a better life. Mm -hmm. And they 
did what they had to do to try to get my folks over to the United States. Um, you know, all the, the dreams of yeah, the, the American, American dream. dream. I mean, there, I literally saw it in real time. I've experienced right. this. I just find it tremendous that in two generations, we went from having a Sacconi family working mule right. to you picking <laughs> me up in a McLaren that goes 200 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, in, in, that's... In less than, you know, 70 years, that's occurred, that change. Yeah, American dream. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I remember my... This is crazy. I don't know if you remember certain things when you are a kid. I remember my, my grandmother walking in with this... Hope the, uh, the, the, the vegans don't take offense to this. Um, oh, we're always going to offend somebody no matter what we say. All right. just, well, there was no PETA. Be authentic. There's no PETA back then in Spain. People uh, for the ethical, ethical treatment of animals. Correct. Right. My grandmother walks in with a little cute white bunny, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, wow. New uh, pet. Yeah, new pet. My grandmother bought us a pet, you know. And um, my mother starts laughing. She says, um, David, no, that's, that's not a pet. That's, mm. that's dinner. And um, How old do you think you were then? That could be, like, shocking for a young, yeah, young boy. Yeah, I was five, six years old. Oh my but, gosh. I mean... You know, I mean, it's just such an incredibly um, distinct sort of reality, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and in your timeline of life, like I, I went back to the village where my ancestors are from in Lebanon. Yeah. And the simple life that they not only led but still lead it's more advanced than it used to be but it's right. nowhere near what we're used to here and right right in america exactly it is just uh, such a stark reminder at how different uh people can be in this one world that we live in right right it's not like just the olden days where we're eating rabbit or in my neighborhood you know they everything they ate they grew on their own property yeah, yeah. in my my ancestors neighborhood in lebanon well even just you know communication uh making a phone call from these locations at that time when mm. I was a kid, literally you got one hour, not, not us, meaning the whole town mm. got one hour of telephone ta time Access. on Sunday evenings. Mm. I remember this. I don't know how I remember all this stuff so far back, but, um, 6 PM, you had to be at the town sort of center, the town square, mm. there'd be a line. Mm. And, you know, because not everybody necessarily had to make phone calls that, uh, you know, not everybody in the town. But all, had, you, all week you knew that was your time. So you yeah, maybe would call I mean, that's, America on Yeah, Sunday that's, or, you know, the way it always worked. Until, now it's like this paralysis of choice we have. Like, right. Should I be on LinkedIn or uh, Signal or Twitter? Or there's so many options. Right, WhatsApp, right. go on and on. Yeah, and that's probably something we'll chat about a bit yeah, deeper into this podcast. But, uh, you know, just it, it's, it's such a stark uh, a stark contrast. Uh, that's really just, and how it relates back to how the, the whole Dave Sacconi story started. It basically comes back to, you know, I saw what my parents were sort of leaving mm -hmm. and what they were going to. And I always felt like they, they really thought about all the things they wanted to provide for, for me and for mm -hmm. my siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it just I, I'm always just um, I'm amazed when we go on the topics of immigration and things like not to digress. But, you know, I think at, at the root of most good people, they just want to do the right thing for their families. Yes. They want to provide a better life for for their children. Right. And I think that's the essence of uh, 
the American dream revolves around that. And you're, and you're definitely doing that, and I see how you are with your family. We'll get into that a little bit, but let's now move forward to your professional life. Sure. And you've built this tremendous team. You're one of the most, um, your team is one of the largest groups on the East Coast in terms of wealth management, if not the whole country. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about the types of CEOs that you've uh, earned as clients or leaders of large uh, private companies, executives in public companies, uh, even some mega millionaire winners, yeah. lottery winners, yeah. that yeah. maybe have a different character trait from the other folks I was describing. So can you talk in general terms about this uh, somewhat unique and interesting client base you have? Sure, sure, absolutely. So. You know, I mean, I say in general, you can name names if you want to, but I figured you wouldn't want to. Yeah, we'll we'll keep uh, we'll keep the names confidential. Yeah, but right. you know, it's senators. Sure, sure. It's it's funny, Adam, but I've had the opportunity again. You know, coming from what I consider to be pretty humble beginnings, it's it's amazing going from uh, it really is. one place to you know sitting at a table with the royal family in the Middle East or mm -hmm. with um, CEOs, as you mentioned, of major you know, Fortune 50 companies in the United States, um, polit politicians, uh, you name it. You know, we've, we've really, somehow we've managed to earn the trust of a lot of people. But, you know, there's such unique characteristics between a lot of different folks. I, I typically found that CEOs are, are fairly decisive hmm. and you have to really earn their trust because they they're in control, right? They control a lot of things. They're they used to like writing a memo and everyone does whatever they say. Exactly. Right. But in our profession and, and what we provide to clients has to be a little bit different because, you know, I've always found you really, you have to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I, I've used that as kind of one of the, the mantras um, with my team, which is if a client needs to hear something, you know, we need to tell them. I call uh, that diplomatic, excuse me, diplomatic assertiveness. That's right. That's right. You can be diplomatic and not assertive and they won't get it. Sure. But if you're too assertive, it might turn off these CEOs. Right. Right. So when I call on folks like this, I call it diplomatic assertiveness. Yep. Well, what I've found, you know, over the years, um, and that's exactly right. Yeah. But what a lot of people, again, they come in and they, they maybe want to, you know, they want to uh, make the decisions on a lot of things. But at the end of the day, they have to recognize that we provide a pretty valuable yeah, service. Yeah, you guys are the experts. We're the professionals. We've been doing it for a long time. We've seen everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, the, the whole mantra of telling them what they need to hear. In some cases, we... You know, we do deal with folks with a lot of wealth, so it's not generally based around you're spending too much. You know, it's more based around the, the fact that maybe getting a little bit too deep into speculative activity or... Can you give me like a real example, like not naming a person, but yeah. like what's some tough advice you needed to diplomatically with assertiveness explain to somebody? Sure, sure. You mentioned the, the lottery winners. Yeah, the yeah. Me, the Mega Millions lottery winners. That's different than a CEO who's been working uh, through oh an executive God. Yeah, chain that, that's years. a whole nother whole How nother on earth did you get into... You're like the wealth manager for the Mega Millionaires. Yeah, well... How, how does that come about? Well, you know, I guess, fortunately, we have a decent reputation in the business of asset management and uh, attorneys and estate planners and accountants. They they recognize our, our oh, name, our okay. group name. So, you know, they know that we tend to be able to, to handle really complicated cases. And uh, again, kind of the word gets out. 
So we, we got our very first Mega Millions lottery winner maybe, I don't know, must have been 12, 13 years ago. Uh, that's a whole story on its own. I, I can go into that if you want. But, um, you know, these folks have never had the kind of the kind of wealth that drops into their lap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had we had a Mega Millions lottery winner that won forty seven million dollars from three hundred fifty dollars a week salary mm. to forty seven million basically in one shot. It must be so hard to pull, pull back the reins on their newfound wealth. And- Adam, oh, oh my, the stories I could tell. I, li- I Tell us a story. Yeah, well, so... I mean, we're here to tell stories. All right, well, we'll tell a story. So I'll, I'll tell you one. So let, let's talk... Um, so first, the lead-in. One particular client, Houston, Texas. They're driving home from Houston to a, a small town about two hours away out of Houston. They stop at a gas station. Husband hops out of the car, tells us, gives his wife a $20 bill, says to his wife, go in, you buy the lottery tickets, ticket or tickets, you know, and the routine generally was it was $2 of tickets and $18 for gas. Okay. All right. She walks in. I've never done that before. Well, I've I seen mean, a lot I of winners. Should. Yeah. Play to win, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, she, she goes into the gas station. The cashier, instead of giving her two tickets, does 20 tickets. Okay? So the full $20 worth of tickets. Now, recognize that with the Mega Millions, it's, they're not scratch-offs. You can't just hand them back if they give you too many. They actually spit out of a machine. Numbers are So are now posted. they're used. It, it, it's, you pay for it. They print it. It's yours. You have to take it. You can't do anything about it. So, you know, there's a, a little bit of a back and forth. She, she really, you know, doesn't want 20. She can't afford she it all, to, probably. Right. Yeah. Walks out, tells her husband, he gave us 20 tickets, and he says, I don't have any other money. That's, that's what I have. And I don't, you know, this guy made $350, mm. like I said, a week. Uh, didn't have a credit card, didn't have anything. And um, so back in there, you know, all kinds of rigmarole transpires. He goes in. He has to leave his driver's license uh, at oh, the gas he's leaving station. without paying for the gas. Yeah, he's got, you know, $18 worth of gas oh, and, and no money. Oh, my Lord. So um, drives home, you know, they go through that whole process of coming back to bring, uh, bring the gas station some money. And now the husband and wife, they're arguing the whole time. Yeah. How right? could you do this? How could you? I mean, look, you know, when money's tight. Yeah, it's her it, fault. It, right, right. It causes it causes issues with people. So that whole conflict transpired. You know, they told me it was like a multi-day mm. argument because it was so embarrassing. They had to drive back and forth. Long story short, one of those 20 lottery tickets won them $47 million. Wow. So... Um, Unbelievable. That's like you know, a movie. I feel like I just watched a movie. Right. Well, I have plenty of others like that. I won't bore you with so all of them. So then they come to you through a referral from a attorney always. or an accountant or something always. like that. Yeah. Our entire practice is, is all referrals. It's all individuals. And a decent over relationship with this couple that argued at the gas station? No. Interesting uh, interesting story. So occasionally there's a little bit of tough love involved in, in our occupation. Yes. So uh, when you have $47 million dumped into people's laps, a lot of things can happen. Sure. And in this particular case, which is the case for many, many other facets of, you know, folks who, uh, who 
acquire yeah, a lot of money, money really quickly yeah. that that didn't necessarily work for it specifically mm -hmm. or you know um it can throw things really off kilter and in this particular case i mean we did ever we we did everything humanly possible along with a team of accountants and mm -hmm. lawyers and other people and ultimately um the couple ended up getting divorced mm -hmm. and um you know a lot of a lot of yeah really bad okay. things happened as a result right uh of that but that was a prime example of where we can do all the all the work that we're trained to do mm -hmm. you know manage the money properly uh you know set everything up perfectly for their future state plan for the kids state plan i mean everything from yeah. top to bottom yeah. i mean the, the whole team the financial team and the uh legal team we all we did an amazing job of putting everything together I'm but sure. you know when the client decides that they want to go in a different direction you you just you have to just kind of let them go um, so unlike that bonnie and clyde type of couple that i feel like i'm again watching a movie hearing you talk <laughs> about it um i know that you've had a lot of clients that have stayed with you for a long time mm -hmm. and i know about this transition you just made to wells fargo and i don't think you lost a single client what can you say about your own relationship skills I think this speaks to relationship skills. It's not about the stocks that are picked or right. the estate plan that's written, I don't think. I think it's about your empathy and the culture that your team has. So can you talk a little bit about why you think you're so good at cultivating relationships? Well, I don't know if I'm, if I would say that I'm that great at yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know, I guess the, but that's your humble side. I this show is the, about humble people and you're our humble. So that's, but that's me saying this. So thank you. Adam. react to my question, yeah. even if you don't believe sure, it. Sure, sure. So, you know, again, it, it kind of goes back to, to my parents. I always, I, I try to view people through the prism of what if, what if they were my parents? Mm. What would I want an advisor to do for them? What would I what I really, you know, as their son, what would I like to see a professional, a professional mm -hmm. relationship look mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. in the context of how they might assist my own family? And that's how I approach every single case that we it's that we kind handle. of like do unto others as you would want done to you. Exactly. I mean, it's as you know, that, it's what rule. comes around goes around. Right. If you do the right thing, good things happen. Mm -hmm. and giving people good advice. And, you know, my whole team, the, the truth is, Adam, the the whole team embraces that concept mm -hmm. you know uh it's it's like it's serving our others yeah it's just our philosophy which is you know it's funny we've we rarely talk about money mm. we within the team itself and we can go into that and you know when you're when you want to but uh you know we don't we don't talk about how much do we make from a particular case we talk about what do we need to do mm -hmm. to help these people accomplish growth their goals? and problem solving really yeah. and it, it's you know it's it's also aspirational because a lot of the folks that we tend to manage capital for and do our work for again they're already affluent but they may not necessarily they may have been so consumed with their careers yeah. or whatever the case is that they they haven't gone out on the boundaries a little bit to actually really understand what they can accomplish with with their wealth whether it's charitable philanthropic whether it's you know just things that they just hadn't thought about that's and technical though i, I want to really delve into your relationship skills sure 
uh, if I might. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I just no think you're really good at relationships. And even during COVID, I see how you maintain these really hard to get to relationships with people that have a lot of layers between them and the public. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. do you think that was like self-taught or did you have any mentors to teach you how to cultivate and maintain relationships? Because even during the pandemic, I mean, you've been really good at the relationships. Thank you. You know, it, it's, I've, I've spent many, many, many years of my life just observing, mm. watch, listen, learn. That's the humble you. Well, I, I think you really, there's a lot to learn from people, you know, and I've been, I've, I've been involved with people, you know, and I've just, I just watch mm -hmm. and just learn that those folks who truly, they really care. And it's not, not a care because there's something that's going to come back to them from it, but they really just give of themselves. I've really found that there's one, there's a certain piece that you get from it personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, frankly, you're rewarded for it in the long run because of the simple fact that people are willing to share you mm -hmm. with their friends, their family, their neighbors and things like that because they trust you. They're, they're able to allow you to, to move into their circle, so to speak, you know, without fear that we're in it to, to get something well, from I think them. you're such a good listener and people want to be heard. Whatever they do in life, they want to be heard. Right. And right. oftentimes we're not even solving their problem if we're just listening to them. Right. But they're grateful we just listened and That's gave right. them space to verbally meander. Yeah. Or our mutual friend, uh, Philippe Bourguignon, calls it meandering, right. you know, mentally meandering. And you and I uh, met um, our mutual friend, uh, Ambassador Doug Holliday, right. sat you next to me at yeah. a dinner. One of my favorite people with one of my favorite people. And yeah. that was, I think, six or seven years ago now. And someone like him, he has a million wealth managers around him. Right. But this is like a perfect example of, and I guess I just spoke about him working with you, but he wouldn't mind. And over all these years, you've continue to earn the trust. He refers others to you. I mean, this is a real trait that I think is rare in society today. And I hear from so many listeners of the show who are in the beginning of their careers. Right, right. And this seems like no big deal maybe to you. Oh, I just listen and I'm empathetic. But this is, this is a really a, a mentoring moment, what you're describing here. Do you ever think about, Dave, like who's watching you? Do you ever think, I know you're still young, but I mean, your legacy is underway now. Sure, sure. Do you ever, do you ever think about who's watching you? Oh, absolutely, you know. Who do you um, think's watching you? Well, you know, I mean, my children, for one. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody wants to earn their, their children's or keep their children's respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, it, it just always comes back to if you're doing the right thing. And uh, How do you think you're doing in that? Are, are you earning their respect? Oh, I, I, I sure hope so. If, I, if, I, if I had... If <laughs> not I, on every subject. If but, I had uh, your daughter and your son with me right now, not you, mm -hmm. and I asked your children, what do you think is most important to your father? What do you think they'd tell me? I almost can unequivocally say they know they they're they're the most important thing to me i mean awesome. pretty much everything you know my my family my parents my kids it's really everything i i do is really for them um you know uh, and my clients you know perhaps as well uh but I, I think they all look to to me and my team and 
you know, the folks that I'm associated with for guidance and for somebody they can trust, just somebody honest in this vast sea of of people that are, you know, particularly with the folks that we tend to deal with, there's always... Oh, so we're not talking about, I'm sorry, we're now not talking about your kids. You're talking about your clients? Yeah, uh, well, first, my, my kids will say, you know, they're the most important thing to Good. me. They know that just flat well, I've asked out. And I know pe- they would say that. I've asked other people that question, and yeah. they say, they admit that that wouldn't be the answer. Mm-hmm. But I've seen how you've been living your life, and I, I'm fairly certain as well that your children would say that about yeah. you. Yeah, I don't even I don't even classify that as a humble response. I just classify it as a truthful. It's not bragging when it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. It's I just, not bragging. You know, it's, it's the truth. first thing that comes to my mind. It's it's just not even something that I think twice about. I don't know um, how much you think about this, but have you had any like rough patches during COVID for your own life? Uh, we're not talking about clients right now. We're not mm-hmm. talking about team, although maybe it could affect uh, team or clients, but. Sure. Loneliness is a very real thing, and I know you have a very full life, Mm -hmm. but I have some very vibrant leaders in my world who I know have had some rough patches. Sure. sure. How how have you been doing during this extended protocol of stay at home or, you know, traveling less, et cetera? I mean, you're a global traveler usually. Sure, sure. How have you been doing? Yeah, no, I know it's it's so challenging for so many people. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a terrible... Thing for those folks that whose, whose livelihoods are directly impacted, you know, it's fascinating because we've got this. And I'll answer your question more directly in a second. But, you know, I f- have been fortunate to be in this strata of individuals who've thrived through this COVID mm-hmm. scenario. Right. Um, you almost feel bad. Right. Whenever we're cranky, I know I do, because so many people have it so much worse. Right. 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 You know, and really the nature of, of my profession is I'm, I'm usually I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm having conversations with people. And for me, that really hasn't changed much. I, I tend to be I like to, to be with people. I'm a people person mm-hmm. and I'd rather be with people in person. Um, you know, not traveling has been highly, highly unusual for mm-hmm. me. I used to I was on a plane literally every week right. for God knows how long. Uh, Offshore as well. Everywhere. Just, you know, meeting with clients and and developing relationships and and so forth. But uh, so that's a little bit odd. Yeah. But, you know, the whole COVID thing, I've actually tried to make the best of it. I've been able to spend time with my kids, which I did. I was not able to spend as much time. And when you go to an office every day and your children go to school, well, that's about an eight hour window that you're not together. Right. Um, but I was, I was so fortunate, you know, how I dealt with it. My son, my 15 year old son literally sat next to me for months mm. because he didn't have to go to school. That's definitely and, silver lining in right. all this. And the, the schedule were consolidated. So they only, you know, they had school a couple of days a week, three days a week, whatever it is. And uh, he would sit down with me and just observe what I do, which is what I used to do, which mm-hmm. is watch, learn, and listen. And I told my son, Max, you know, I said, just watch, learn, and listen. Think of and the impact you're having on him right now with this unexpected bonus time. Yeah. Even if it's not verbalized, just he'll see how you behave or how you deal with a stressful moment right. or a, right. a problem in some way. Yeah, I really, I think he's he's grown a lot. My daughter's uh, off at Virginia Tech, so she's in college, so mm-hmm. I don't get to have that same experience with her. But, you know, I've just found us, uh, 
just really just getting closer together. I, I work out with my son now every day mm. because, again, we're we're home, right? Right. So, More time you know, together. again, for me, the, the COVID situation has not been quite as, as traumatic or dramatic. Um, you have had to deal with uh, an unexpected curve in the road, if you don't mind me saying. I know so, you've had a recent uh, physical problem not related to the virus. Right. How, how, are you, how are you doing with that? And if you want to share it all. Sure, sure. Anything about what's going on. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I shattered my calcaneus. To those who aren't familiar with uh, anatomy. Is everybody is yeah. unfamiliar <laughs> with that. So. so the calcaneus is your heel bone. It's okay. the single strongest hardest bone in your entire body because hmm. it impacts you know it touches the ground over ten thousand times a day so my wife would say my head is the strongest <laughs> exactly, so, exactly. Strong. so you know i uh, believe it or not with all the 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 thrill seeking adventures and things that i do the one thing that got me was actually tripping on a staircase in my own home which hmm. is actually what they say which is most accidents occur in your own home uh, but anyway, so I shattered my calcaneus, oh my uh, you know, immediate reconstructive surgery, titanium pins, which are still in to this day. Uh, and, it, you know, that sort of that one event changed some of the trajectory of my perhaps my personal inclinations, hmm. which. How, how so? What do you mean by that? Well, let's, let's pause there. You know, as you know, I, I tend to 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 enjoy certain venture sports. I like skydiving, yeah. Yeah. I racing motorcycles. You're racing a thrill cars. seeker. I mean, you love fast cars and uh, per high performance motorcycles. Exactly. Skiing. Well, I, I appreciate those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I find I find them, you know, kind of fascinating yeah. and intriguing. Yeah. Adrenaline. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. And uh, but... Metallica concerts in Europe. <laughs> there you go. Right? I look like an accountant, but uh, yeah, I, I fly off to Paris for a Metallica concert. <laughs> go figure. Um, yeah, so you know, it, it really made me recalibrate a little bit. Mm -hmm. It made me recognize that, um, you know, we, we all, we're fragile beings. And when you, you reach a certain stage in your life, you think about things a little bit differently. You know, there's a certain mortality and it's, it's the way that, you know, I experienced that through my conversations with clients as well. We're not well. invincible. We're I, not invincible. It's a shame. I wish, we all know this, but I wish it didn't take an event for us to really accept it. Right, right. I had my blood clot eight years ago. I had just run the Big Sur Marathon. I thought it was picture-perfect health. I've never had a cigarette in my life. Ran 26 miles, and I mean, you already know the story, but right, you know, right. a week later, I'm in the hospital for 11 days, and afterwards, they told me I was in 50-50 mode for survival because I had a blood clot. We now know I'm genetically predisposed right, right. to blood clot. Why did it take that type of drama yeah. for me to try to just relax not sweat the small stuff. Right. I still do sometimes. I'm a human being, but it definitely recalibrated me too. I, I don't know why it takes us something like falling and breaking our toughest bone in our body or right, right. a blood clot to realize these things. Well, I for one am grateful that you're you're better now. <laughs> Thank so, you, Dave. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting you say that because that's that's one of the things I tell some of these clients. You know, I tell them your wealth. It's not just a number that you're trying to amass. And then you get to some magic finish line and then everything gets, you know, everything magically just fixes itself. You know, money's an interesting thing. It's, it's not everything. Mm -mm. You know, life isn't all about so money. So many unhappy, wealthy people yeah. in our lives. 
but but it certainly smooths out the rough edges. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have resources, it can really smooth out things and get you access to good health care. But how that sort of goes back to what you were saying, these events that people go through that may change the trajectory of their life. You know, we at my team actually we actively have these conversations and we tell them, you know, if you think you want to do something and you have more than sufficient means to do it, mm-hmm. let's make it happen. Let's do it now. Because life is short. Life is so short. To speak. And, right. you know, again, in 28 years, I mean, I've had clients that passed away at such early years. Mm. And, I, and I remember how hard they would just grind away and building these companies and, you know, doing these things to, to amass wealth. Mm-hmm. And I, I have one particular client very recently, you know, gentleman, unfortunately, he's been working very, you know, really hard, building a beautiful portfolio, quite a, quite a wealthy individual, two young kids, and he passed away at age 56. Mm. And they had, I, I literally, I remember how many goals and dreams and things they had, you know, when, when the children, get to age 18, we're going to take a trip around the world. And, you know, there are other factors maybe that that kept that way. from happening. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we would encourage that people really pursue these things. If you have the means to do it. That is such good it. advice. And it, not everyone has that type of wealth. And not everyone wants to travel around the world. But I guess the point is, whatever your big goal whatever is, it is. Yeah. It, take the kids to Florida for the first time that's ever. Right. That's or right. go to Disney World sure. bef- you know, before it's too late and your kids get too old yeah, or something like yeah. that. And, and those are, those are the, the little things that, you know, in addition to everything else that we do, that I try to, I really try to instill that in our clients in the conversations. I love which that. is, it's, it's more, it's not survival mode. It's, it's aspirational right we have to smell the roses i mean right. we work so hard i used to call on these ultra fluent uh individuals like the type you're describing in my old line of work when i was involved in a health organization right and i would envy these folks and i would get close to them and at the end of the a week or a month of getting to know them maybe we'd have dinner together or have a cigar together and i'd say give me give me some advice dave you know what, what advice would you give me to this 80 year old i'm a sponge around people like that None of them said, I wish I did more deals. Right. None right. of them said, I wish I worked more. This sounds trite, but we all forget it. Yeah. And so I loved getting those reminders. The most common thing I heard, do you know what it was? What would you think? The most common was, I wish I spent more time with my yeah. kids. Yeah. Th- my th- I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. And it's just like, yeah. of course that's the answer. Right. Right. But unfortunately, we forget quickly, we get back into the rat race. Yeah. Every month begins at zero. The treadmill continues indefinitely. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the, the injury, your, your your heel injury helped remind you of some of yeah, this. Yeah, just recalibrate like. and yeah. just remind me that I also should take heed of the things that right. you know, I talk about. Practice with, what we with, preach. Yeah, practice what we preach, exactly. You're listening to the Up To Podcast. We'll be right back. I'm grateful that Calfee, Halter, and Griswold has agreed to once again partner with us. With offices in Ohio and Washington, D.C., this full-service national law firm focuses on all aspects of business and the law, including corporate and finance, intellectual property, and government relations. Let me be clear. I actually approach companies with whom I would like to partner. We don't just accept marketing dollars from anyone who wants to be a partner. I've been referring my CEO and entrepreneur friends to Calfee for years. I believe in them. 
One of their notable practice areas is in mergers and acquisitions. Recently, I introduced a successful entrepreneur in the Midwest to Calfi as a European-based conglomerate wanted to buy his business. Calfi works with large corporations as well as privately held companies throughout the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Asia. So whether it's selling your own business or the more routine needs of creating your first will or anything in between, this firm can really do it all in terms of legal needs. Once again, the firm is Calfee, Halter, and Griswold, and you can find them at calfee.com or on the UpTo Foundation website. Welcome back. You're listening to the UpTo Podcast with host Adam Kaufman. Today's guest is David Ciccone. Let me switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everyone admits that uh, COVID has accelerated inevitable change in pretty much every category. Mm -hmm. How has technology changed, if at all, your industry? Sure. I know you changed firms. That's a, I'm sure involved in a lot of technology. Right. Um, how has technology changed your industry? Yeah, it, it's it's mind numbing the changes. Just well, you know, keep it simple for me. I'm a very simple. Yeah, mind. yeah. Uh, you know, everything is just. It's just like every industry now. Everything is just lightning speed. Um, you know, I mean, I remember when I first started in the business, I'd literally, I'd have to, if I did a transaction, we would write a ticket out, hmm. number of shares, count number, description, walk it over to a centralized location. There'd be a data entry person there. So, you know, if we if we go in the, the context of a larger scale, um, you know, I mean, automation has just been mind-boggling, but it just has sped up the volume of activity, the amount of, of, of for the better. Do you think? Um, well, By, uh, overall, you net, know, net, I, net. I think we, I think there's a degree of overload. You know, um, I mean, we too handle, much information. We handle so many things every day. Right. Uh, so there's so many data sources coming in from different places. There's so many feeds. There's you know, between email, social media, cell phone, landline, I mean, all these things all converging simultaneously, and it's just a cacophony of, of activity. And, you know, sometimes I, I feel like uh, even with, with my pretty, pretty large team, it's to some degree, it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. um, you know, because people on the outside, they're, they're seeing a lot of data, right? They're seeing things coming through on social media that might excite them or depress them or whatever the case is. Reddit. Something about the market. Mm -hmm. Right. Reddit, it, that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you an example. The whole Reddit thing, the, the Robinhood Reddit, you know, with some of these stocks, um, you know, people are, are, not everybody's making a ton of money on these things. And when these news stories come along, clients are inclined to call and say, hey, should should we have some in. of this? Yeah, yeah. And we have to counsel them that, you know, this is not exactly in the context of uh, of how it fits into a master plan. And frankly, a lot of these things are just, you know, they're they're instantaneous, happens so overnight. You've got to be diplomatically thing. assertive. Got to be yeah. diplomatically assertive. Yeah. I uh, interjected here because it, it's just shocking how fast the time goes. I have a few other topics I want sure, to get sure. to because yeah, I really yeah. want to pick your brain and your sure. heart as much as we can. Sure. I'm always interested in knowing how successful people like you live such a fast-paced life, Dave. Um, are you a goal setter or are you just always 
trying to do better, or do you set specific goals? And I don't even need to know what the goals are, but are you like a goal setter? Yeah. Uh, I, I do tend to, to set goals for myself. And, are they daily and, or monthly or annually or yeah, resolutions? Or how you do you know, do that? Uh, sometimes goals are imposed on you from, from others, right? Uh, yeah. you know, uh, Somebody our, is being diplomatically assertive with you maybe in your life. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I try to set hurdles and milestones and, uh, you know, set targets just for the purpose of creating that sort of that satisfaction you know, because again, when you in some occupations, there's no finite end to it. When to you're measure, in a, right. right, when you're managing capital and you're doing comprehensive asset management, folks, yeah, there's a number. There's always a number, right? right? It's the value of portfolios, right. the value of the assets we manage, all those other factors that that industries look at. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a you may accomplish one goal, but all of a sudden there's a problem right behind it. So there's always something right. fresh How about on the personal it. side? Do you set personal goals? Absolutely. Whether it's like fitness or Absolutely. going somewhere? Or... Yeah, I, I just, I think that's such so critically important for individuals just to keep themselves motivated mm -hmm. and, you know, to just, just create benchmarks for yourself. And uh, it, it's it's satisfying, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's good. It's a good feeling to be able to, I, one thing I always did is, I write lists every day. I'm such a you know, list writer. 4.35 o'clock, which is usually when I see a text from you. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you write your list for the day. And It feels uh, good crossing it, it out once it's done. It just feels so good to cross I that off the list. Sometimes I have to admit, I will write something down even though I've already done it, right. just to have one more thing that I can cross my right, mind through. Right. And no one's looking at the list. I'm no, not even showing no, my wife. No, it's just for yourself. It's yeah. so silly, At the end of the day, good. you know, it's just a good, it's just something that, that, that sort of motivates you to keep moving forward. But awesome. Again, I, I've, all, I've personally found, again, through that watch, learn, and listen right. sort of mantra, you know, most successful people, if not the majority of the successful people that have, I've always observed, do exactly the same thing. They set targets. Mm -hmm. um, they have self-imposed sort of uh, goals, mm -hmm. and they write lists, right. or they type lists, or however they they. Right, we're going to keep list. going with lightning round sure. here. Yeah, uh, go for it. I've, I'm impressed with the team you've built. Love my team. And we have a lot of younger entrepreneurs who listen to the show, and they ask questions often, or they give feedback about how teams are built. Right. The the good and the bad. How do you build a team? Sure. Sure. Are there certain qualities you look for in team building or how do you even think about the team that you have already built or if you need to hire the next person like sure. how do you decide how to do that yeah no this, this is probably my 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 favorite question oh so good far. i'm glad we're getting to it yeah um so if you start with the if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far do it together if Wait, you say that again that's great I might be guilty of that right now. Sure. If, if you want to go fast, you go, go by fast, yourself. Go you can alone, just do it yourself. Yeah. Right. But if you want to go far, do it together. Do it with with somebody. Do it with a team. Why have you never told me that before? That is awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't make it up, but wow. I, it just resonates so so perfectly. Keep going. Uh, with with my team. So you know, one my team. I, I really think of them as as family. Um, they've been with me from the beginning. Uh, it, there's no me. It, Dave Sacconi didn't build anything. Yeah, it's not the called the team, Sacconi Group. Right, right CTH Group. Um, the team is what really enabled us to achieve the success that what we What character have. traits do you look for? Sure, yeah. So one of the things, so what I always tried to do was create complementary dynamics. 
Um, you know, my my main my original business partner, I call him my brother from another mother. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant guy. I literally have known him since the day he was born. Mm. Now, few people in business can actually say that they've mm -hmm. known somebody yeah. since the day they were born. So did he start working with you right then, or how, how much so, more time uh, passed? So, um, so he he's been born. with me since the early days, about, uh, you know, 98, 99, something I'm glad like. our producer caught my joke. Dave didn't even laugh at Oh, I didn't catch said. a joke. I apologize. You're so locked in. Oh, sorry about that. It's I'm okay. in the zone, baby. I, I, I like said, talking about I my team. I basically asked if you hired your teammate Oh, you when he was born. You born and what, you're like, well, not you know, right I away. thought I, I thought I heard, I thought I caught that, and I was, I was trying to just go right over it. Todd, our producer, it's a good, thank it's a you good for joke. affirming me with the joke. It's good. I, Todd, Todd's having fun over there Dave. with it. Yeah. But um, you know, the, one of the things is uh, just using Tom as, as an example. Uh, you know, we've never ever, in multiple decades, we have never had a a debate, an argument, anything about money. We just have always just said, this is a team, mm -hmm. we're gonna build it together, mm -hmm. and we share in whatever equal, 50 /50. So do you feel like that is because you have that complementary skill set that you previously mentioned? He's good at things you're not and vice versa, or it's, it's just more like a, a synergy? Well, as you said, for, for the youngsters, for those who are looking at building the team. Right. So, um, you know, all of the members of my team, every one of them, I have a mechanical engineer, uh, a, l a little bit older, not much older, a little bit older. You know, so um, I, we, we speak five languages fluently. So we represent, you know, many different uh, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, Cultures, I have one, yeah. one of my partners comes out of the commercial real estate business, highly, highly successful. So mm -hmm. he knows the, the commercial real estate and lending business inside out. I have another uh, partner, he wrote a best, I'll give him a shameless plug. Uh, James wrote, you know, best-selling book, Value Returns. I have it right next to me. Um, so diversity of backgrounds is important in building your team. Diversity of backgrounds, complementary uh, skill sets. Okay. Um, the, the inclination to really look at the operation from the perspective of how do we serve the clients. Multidisciplinary. Right. Not arguing about money and revenue and all those elements that I think a lot of teams, it's why they ultimately break up, which is, you know, maybe even why marriages break up. It's mm -hmm. discussions about things that are not focused on the mission. And okay. so when I built the team, I really just wanted complementary skill sets, the utmost integrity, and people that really care. And mm. I, I just... You've done I, it. I've met a lot of them. I, maybe all of them. Yeah, I, think I, I just it. can't be... I, I, I'm just so grateful for them because I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for them. That's just a simple fact. Well, I'm grateful for you being here. Uh, one last question before we have to wrap things up. I know how valuable your time is. What are you most looking forward to, Dave, post pandemic i know you said your lifestyle hasn't changed a ton right but is there something you're really looking forward to when we when we get out of this china virus sure oh my goodness i i just i can't wait honestly i think i think we are about to experience something that we really haven't experienced in a long time what uh, do you mean by that i i just think that coincidental with springtime which is that rebirth that blossoming that new season new season i think we are just about to experience something unbelievable 
and I, I think it's going to be global. I love how you say that. I, 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 when people ask me that question, I think about the entrepreneurs right now who are creating new systems to solve problems that we didn't even have before. Right, and we haven't right. heard about these new entrepreneurs yet and their new creative ideas, but sure. they're being born right now. Yeah, yeah. But imagine just being able to get out and see your friends and go to have dinner and, you know, walk into a, a, a busy environment and be able to see other people mm -hmm. and just uh, hug seeing, people. How see, about hugging people? How about just seeing people smile for God's right, sakes, you know, and that, I, I walk through some, uh, go through a store and I'm wearing a baseball cap and a mask. Mm -hmm. And re the reality is that other people are too. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting how you lose that sense of, um, sort of the, the acknowledgement perhaps and and just understanding what somebody's sentiment is when they say something when you can't see all the facial gestures for sure you know it's almost like when you text you really don't necessarily always get the and full we're not context. in person all the right. zoom calls right. the team's right. calls you're an empathetic fellow but empathy is harder when right. we're not in person. The yeah. digital versions of ourselves are not as empathetic as the in-person versions. Yeah, I, I, I think it's gonna be like global Woodstock. Oh, you right. know, I mean, on the social side, I think people are just, just absolutely itching to get out and do things. You know, I, I've only seen in the capital markets and the economy and things like, I've only seen maybe twice in my entire career in 28 years, I've only seen a synchronized global expansion twice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they last for a little while and they're, they're quite robust and they lead to amazing things in the capital markets. Um, but I think just on both sides, uh, on the social side and on business. The, on the business side, I think we're just about to see and witness something that's just going to be magnificent. I love this is our closing comments. I mean, you're leaving us with a really positive optimism to think about. So Dave, thank you so much thank for you, coming Adam. today. It's uh, again, remarkably quick when we get into these conversations. And I'm sad that the time is uh, concluding, but hopefully we'll invite you back. But in the meantime, so. uh, congrats on all your success. Thank you, Adam. You know, this show is about leaders who are as humble as they are successful, and your humility came out in so many ways today. Thank you so much, Adam. It's truly a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Up To Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe via your podcast platform of choice. And to receive our newsletter, suggest speakers, and give your candid feedback, please email Adam directly at adam at uptofoundation.org. We would love to hear from you. The Up To Podcast is produced by the BL Media Group right outside of the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. See you next time.